Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc. I'm not going to be long-winded this morning. I know the men is going out to eat lunch and just enjoy the day. But I want to take an opportunity with you this morning, share what I feel like the Lord has on my heart this morning. Today's going to be a good day, amen? How many knows the gospel's good news? I said, how many knows the gospel's good news? If it's not good news, it's not the gospel, friend. And let me tell you something about the good news. The good news should be current. Anything that's in the news is current, right? And so we believe in this place that God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. We believe if he was a healer in the Bible, he's a healer today. We believe if he was a provider in the Bible, he's a provider today. Come on. We believe if he was a deliverer in the Bible, he is a deliverer today. Come on now. If he set folk free in the New Testament, he's still doing it today, right? Come on now. So you get with me and help me this morning. And so, um, if you're visiting this morning, if you will, if it's your first time here, raise your hand. If you've never been to Cornerstone this morning, raise your hand. Right here. If we got some ushers that'll help uh, see you, give you a card. If you fill it out, you can get, go back there to the back and uh, some of our staff will give you a gift. Amen? And so, we're glad you're here with us this morning. So, you're there in Genesis chapter 3. <clears throat> Those that are, I'm going to preach an Easter message this morning. And the name of my message this morning is the head bruiser. Come on now. I, I, that don't sound like no little lamb, does it? But I'm going to talk about the head bruiser this morning. Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. And he shall bruise your head and he shall bruise your heel. Now flip with me to the book of Romans. This is the prophecy, this is the first prophetic utterance giving concerning Jesus coming to the earth. Thank you right there, Mike. We'll come right there at the end, right there for us. But this is the first prophecy of, of speaking of Jesus. We know from this text, if we had time to read uh, the whole text or whatever in Genesis, uh, talks about the recording of the fall of man. Guys, work with me on this. It's, it's ringing. And so he, he's talking about the fall of man. And when, how many knows the scripture says that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost? Let me say this. There was a whole lot lost. There was a whole lot more lost than just mankind. Uh, Adam, when God created Adam and Eve, just stay with me and we'll get somewhere in a minute. But when God created Adam, he created man and woman in his likeness, in his image. Would we all agree with that? And he placed them in this perfect environment called the Garden of Eden. And he gave man a task. He said to be fruitful. Other words, otherwise, you take the resources that has been handed to you and you bring increase to that. And he said, and multiply. Other words, God's plan was that Adam Adam and Eve would have children and their children would be trained in the ways of God and God would just extend this garden of Eden throughout the whole world. And also in the garden there was a serpent, the Bible says. And that serpent came and he had a conversation with Eve. 
And the conversation went like this. That God, you know that in the garden there were two trees. There was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And God told them that they could have anything and eat from everything in the garden, but of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, don't eat its fruit. And ain't it like the enemy to highlight what we don't have instead of us looking and seeing what we do have? How many knows this morning that if you drove up to this place in a car and you got a roof over your head, you're blessed? Come on, somebody. Come on now. And so I believe the increase, I believe the key to increase is being thankful and living a lifestyle of thankful for where we're at today. Amen? <clears throat> so, and Eve comes in and has this conversation and the serpent talks to Eve and says that, that you know, God's withholding this tree from you because God knows if you eat of this fruit that you're going to be like him. The enemy tried to get her to do through an act what she already had by design. Come on, somebody. I'm going to preach right here in a minute. See, you and I were left with no hope. When Adam fell, I asked this question <clears throat> sometimes, and I want to see a show of raising the hands right here. How many, how many, how many sins do you have to commit to become a sinner. If you believe you have to commit one sin to become a sinner, raise your hand real high. Come on now. Is it only take if it only takes one sin to become a sinner, raise your hand real high. Listen, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you and I were born into sin. Why were we born into sin? Because your great-grandfather Adam sinned in the garden. And the Bible says in the book of Romans in the fifth chapter, by one man's offense, sin entered into the world. So death has now entered into the garden. God has put man out of the garden of Eden and he has set an angel there to protect that place called Eden. You remember in there he said that the woman was gonna have pain during, during childbirth, the earth was going to thorns and yield thorns and thistles and man would work by the sweat of his brow. And so therefore the curse has entered in. So if we were stuck in this condition, Jesus, what I want to tell you this morning was not plan B. He was not plan C. He was plan A the whole time. God knew that you and I didn't have a chance of making it. Somebody said, well, the Christian life is hard. I want to tell you this, the Christian life is absolutely impossible. Friend, it takes God to live the Christian life. You can't do it in your own flesh, in your own strength. If we could, God would have never came. But you and I had no chance, no way of living it, no way of getting to God. So God himself had to come and help us get to him. Could somebody help me in here this morning? Now let's look in this in Romans chapter five. <clears throat> Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin, thus death spread to all, man, all men because all sinned. Who sinned? All, every one of us in this room. Why? Not because we created, we, not because we did an act, but because of what our great granddaddy did. Now look at this. Stay with me here. For unto the law, for unto the law sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed where there is no law. Other words, until Mount Sinai, man didn't know what he was doing. It was not held against us. Look at this. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the like according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. Look at this, but the free gift. Look at this, look at your neighbor, say the free gift. 
But the free gift, friend, this is better than hitting the lottery, what I'm preaching to you this morning. But the free gift is not like the offense. For by one man's offense, many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses uh, resulted in justification. Look at this, verse 17. For by the one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive, look at this, those who what? Receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. All right, so here's the deal. When God created man, in Psalms 8, I'm gonna preach this quick for us this morning. In Psalms chapter eight, the Bible says, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou would visit him, for you have crowned him with glory and honor and splendor, and you have made him, the King James renders that, a little lower than the angels, which the translators there says that he has made him a little lower than Elohim, God himself. So Adam, we know the Bible says that they were naked, but they didn't know they were naked because they were clothed. What were they clothed in? They were clothed in the glory of God. You with me now? And so they were naked and not ashamed. They, in other words, their eyes wasn't on themselves. Their eyes was on God. Come on now. Anytime you get your eyes on yourself, you're headed for a fall. Their eyes was on God. They was clothed in a glory suit. That's why Paul writes in Romans, for all have sinned and come short of what? The glory. You and I were destined to be glorious in God. Come on, somebody. Help me out here. So when Adam sinned, the glory of God departed from off of them and they knew that they were naked. So when they knew that they were naked, Adam went and hid himself. Come on now. He went and hid himself and so God, when he would meet with Adam, walking in the cool of the day, come in the garden and said, Adam, where are you? He said, well, I hid myself. God said, who, who told you you were naked? So what did God do? God killed an animal. Come on now. God killed an animal and took the skin of the animal and covered Adam and Eve. So in the old covenant, we had to rely on the, on the blood of bulls and goats. Come on, somebody. That could remove sin and eradicate sin once a year if you had a good enough offering all for God. Y'all with me? Stay with me. <clears throat> all right. Now, in the Old Testament, Jesus is, is, I've heard it said like this, the Old Testament is Jesus concealed. But in the New Testament, Jesus is revealed. Now we know this, that all Jesus in, is in all 66 books of the Bible. It all is pointing to him. That is the glory of God. Would we all agree with that in this room? So Jesus in the Old Testament is, is concealed. There's types and shadows of God's redemptive plan. Remember, man cannot get to God. The gospel is not about man's pathway to God, but about God's pathway to mankind. That's how much he wants a real relationship with you, friend. Jesus didn't die on a cross so that we could be at church on Easter Sunday. He didn't die on a cross so that you could go to church and sit on a pew. He died on a cross so that you could have a real relationship with him seven days a week 24 hours a day seven days a week you with me 
So God's got this redemptive plan. And how many knows when you go to the movies, you gotta catch the first, right? You gotta be there at the first because what? It's called foreshadowing because the end is in the beginning. Come on now. God was foreshadowing something in the garden. He knew that it was gonna take the blood, right? But the blood of bulls and goats was gonna only get us so far. So in the, in, the New, in the Old Testament, there's Jesus, there's types of Jesus. You remember in Genesis 24 when Abraham was told by God to take your only son Isaac on Mount Moriah and he took Isaac to the, to the top of the mountain. Isaac was the only son, the promised son, if you will. This is a foreshadowing event testifying and God stopped Abraham, but God would not stop himself from putting his own son. He wanted Abraham just to have that sense and that feeling of what was about to come. This is prophesying of a, of a time that would come. When Noah built the ark to save his family, the ark was built with three levels. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There was one door. Friend, listen to me. We're moving in a day where people talk, there's many ways, there's many ways to heaven. I would agree with that like this. There's many methods that God uses to get your attention to Jesus, but Jesus is the only way to the Father. If any man enters in otherwise, he is a thief in the I don't care what's popular. I don't care what's on Christian TV. Listen, Jesus Christ is the only answer for, for salvation. He's the only answer for our sin problem and he is the only way to heaven. Can I get an amen in this place? I'm preaching on Easter, but I feel like we're on funeral Sunday night. Feels like Good Friday, not resurrection morning. Noah's building an ark. What was the deal? What protected his family from not dying? What protected Noah's family to get his family on the ark? I came to talk to you, man. Listen. Listen to you, husband. Listen to you, father. Listen right here. It is not your wife's job to lead your family into the ark. It is your job, sir, to lead your family to the ark. That ark door is open this morning. It's open today. Come on, we're in the day of grace. And God's given you an opportunity to lead your family inside the ark. It is Jesus said this, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. When the earth is shaking, listen, there's one thing that is unshakable. That is the kingdom of God and the church of the living God. Come on now. All right. So Moses built the ark. The ark in most nurseries will have three windows hanging out the side. How many's ever seen it? Raise your hand. There was only one window in this ark, and it was not on the side, it was at the very top. This was God speaking to Noah, saying, Listen, I don't want you to be focused on what you see, I want you to be focused on what I see. Come on, somebody. Help me out in this place to preach just a little bit. Can we get alive just for the next 20 minutes right here to help me out? I promise you. There was one window. It was not on the side. It was at the top. This is why Paul said we walk by what? We walk by... We walk by faith and not by sight. Come on. I don't care what my eyes is telling me. I'm not looking out that window. Come on, somebody. I don't care how they want to tell me America's going to hell in a handbasket. Come on. That's not what God said. God said in the last days I'll pour my spirit out upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. I believe people are hungry for the real Jesus. They might not be hungry for dead religiosity or some dead church, but they are hungry for the living Jesus. The Bible says in Psalms 34, they taste of the Lord and see that he's good. He's good if you taste of him. Sometimes if you... Oh, listen to me. Listen to me. I'm preaching in a hurry. I watched this yesterday. Yesterday we did an outreach event in, 
at the, at the stadium. Had a tremendous amount of people there. But every time we do outreach into the community, I know that I, I notice this. People that are not living right, let me just say it like this. People that have a lot of issues in their life. They 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 get nervous when they get around church people. Even when even when stuff is offered to them, free of charge or whatever, they're just nervous. You know what that is? That is the same thing, that is the same thing the devil used in the garden. Friend, he's still using running the same play. When in fact, if Jesus was standing there, he probably wouldn't be hanging out with the church people. He would be hanging out with the sinners. Come on now. His hardest rebukes came to the Pharisees, not the tax collectors. And so you can see how much religion that even the lost is fighting trying to find their way to the cross. Because they feel like their standard of living makes them not worthy to receive anything from the church. When you hear statements like this, man, I would go, but I don't know if the roof would fall in. If the roof didn't fall in when I came in, guess what? We're okay in this place. Come on now. All right. In Exodus chapter 12, the children of Israel are about to leave Egypt. They're in Egypt because God sent them to Egypt through Joseph. How many members that, right? Joseph was sold as a slave, made it to Potiphar's house, uh, uh, went to prison because Potiphar's wife lied upon him. He was in prison, got brought out, and he's now in the head, he is now the head man in charge in Egypt. Remember, he interprets the dream that there's coming seven uh, years of financial prosperity, but there's coming seven lean years after that. He said, we're going to save the grain of overflow in the seven years, which will put us in great financial shape. Come on now. And that's what brought Egypt up to the power place that it was. And they had the grain. But God had told Abraham that your children are going into bondage for 400 years. It's now 430 years. They're 30 years past due. Come on now. And so God has raised up Moses as a deliverer. He's going in and the last. this is the last thing that's going to happen to set his people free. He said that tonight I want you to apply the blood. Remember this in the, in the Passover. He said you kill a lamb and you p- apply the blood to the doorpost of your house. And when the death angel comes, wherever it sees the blood, it's going to roll over that house. Yeah. Come on now. Y'all with me? And the scripture says that God used the Passover lamb that he instituted in Exodus chapter 12 and that is what set the people free. Can I tell you that is a foreshadow of Jesus on the cross that whenever you sink your teeth into him, listen to me friend, I don't care what's got you bound this morning. I don't care if you was out till four o'clock in the morning and did every sin in the book. Once you partake of the lamb, you will begin to exit Egypt the moment that you receive him. That's good. That's good. I wish I had somebody that believed it. That's good. In the desert, when, the, when, when they were in the wilderness, they were complaining. They were complaining about the manna that fell down. And the scripture says that snakes come out and bit them. And God instructed Moses, he said to take a, a bronze serpent 
a bronze, a fiery serpent and make it out of bronze and put it on a pole and lift it up before the people. Bronze is a type and shadow of judgment. What was God prophesying to his people? That Jesus, him that knew no sin, would become sin. And the children of Israel, if they would look, those that had been bitten by the snake, if they would look at that, if they would look at that serpent on the pole, they would be healed. I came to tell somebody this morning that they was one that knew no sin that became sin. And if we'll look to the cross, friend, we don't ask God, listen, we look back toward healing. When did we get healed? Over 2,000 years ago. When did you get delivered? Over 2,000 years ago. When did you get blessed? Over 2,000 years ago. When was the answer given to fix your broken marriage? Over 2,000 years ago. When was the answer given for that wayward child? Over 2,000 years ago. We look to that and it brings healing. I can't preach no harder, Danny, in here. I feel like I'm John Hagee or something. People dead as a hammer. That's all right. That's why God gave me an Ezekiel anointing. You got to learn how to preach in the graveyard. You ever going to see revival? You with me? Listen to him. I'm cutting up with you, all right? When God got ready to go out to the promised land, when he got ready to go out to the promised land, and he sent spies into the promised land, they were saved by a harlot. You with me? Named Rahab. When they were about to have their lives taken, Rahab lifted up a window and what did she let down to lead them to safety? A scarlet cord. That scarlet cord is prophesying about a cross that would yield the blood of the spotless lamb that if we would grab hold of that, there would be safety for us, friend. Listen. Listen, man, you know, what the, thing, the issues that we see in the nation, they want to deal with everything but the heart of man. Religion always wants to deal with the outside. Religion tries to clean you up. If you, can, if you can just clean up just enough, you can be accepted. But religion can never deal with the issue. The issue is not the outside, friend. The issue is not the porn addiction. The issue is not the drug addiction. The issue is not the pill addiction. Come on, somebody. The issue is a heart issue. And only God can go to the depths of the heart and fix what's broken on the inside of us. All right. Look at this verse of scripture right here in John, the book of John chapter 20, verse one. I'm getting close. I ain't got but nine more pages left of notes, okay? So I just got through with the first one. You okay? All right. I always say it like this. If you get done before I do, there's the exit back there. No. You all right? John chapter 20, verse 1. Look at this. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark. While it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Folks, this stone was far more than just a rock. This stone had been the plague that had followed the children of Israel ever since Mount Sinai. 
You remember in Mount Sinai, it was then when God invited them up into a relationship. You remember this. God invites the children of Israel up into have a, a face-to-face encounter, a real relationship with him. They had admired the relationship that Moses had with God as they would stand to attention as Moses would go to the tent of meeting, right? And they would watch Moses go commune with God. But when God showed up that morning with thunders and lightnings and the ground shaking, they were afraid to go up to God. And this is what they said. We don't want a relationship with you like that. We would rather just have a relationship with you through Moses. Come on now. Come on now. A lot of people have a relationship with the Lord like that. Through their preacher. That's the only time they hear God. God wants to talk to you, friend, personally. Come on now. If this is the only day that you get something to eat, that's why you're weak. That's why the devil's running over your household. Come on now, talk back to me. Huh? But if you learn how to eat every day, you'll get stronger. I am a living witness that if you eat every day, you will get larger. You with me? So here's the deal. That they told God, we we, we don't know if we can have a, just tell Moses, whatever you'd want us to do, we'll do it. So in other words, we're gonna have a relationship with you based off a set of rules. And so God said, all right. So he gave them 20 handwritten requirements. I mean, 10 handwritten requirements. You with me? And so this entered in. So when Mary goes to the tomb that morning and she saw the stone rolled away, what God did, according to the book of Colossians, he removed the handwritten requirements that was against us standing in the way. Come on, we're gonna look at it. Stay right here. If you can stay with me right here, friend, you're gonna get something real good. All right, listen to me. Now look at this. In Romans chapter five, if I told you today if I stood up here today and I said, listen, how many in here, I, I'm gonna ask you this question, how many in here would love to have a, a really a transformed life? I'm talking about a transformed life. How many would love to go from pro- poverty to prosperity? How many would love to go from being bound to being free? Come on now, it's right here. I'm fixing to give you the answer. It's real simple. But you say, well, I don't know if it could be. Listen, here it is. It's real simple. How many wants to reign? I just read it to you. It said, by one man's offense, death reigned through the one. Much more those who receive, look at this. It doesn't say about fasting. Come on now. Those that know me, I'm a revival preacher. I'm for that, but I'm preaching the other side of the coin. It doesn't say, it doesn't say if you fast 40 days that you're going to start raining. Let's read, the, give, give me this scripture up here, Gavin. Romans 5, 17. I got to drill this point home in the next hour and a half. I got to speak right here. Listen, by one man's offense, death reigned through the one. When did death come in? Through Adam. Then we had a relationship with God through a bunch of rules. It's amazing how the church is still fighting over 10 commandments that God said is obsolete. I came to get, oh, don't mess with me, just read your Bible, friend. That is an obsolete covenant. Why do you want to stand around with the 10 commandments? Why don't you stand with the living commandment, which is Jesus? Oh boy, I feel the Holy Ghost up in here. He said in John 5, 19, you search the scriptures, you burn them up because you think that you have life, but you wouldn't come to me that you might have life. I know plenty of people that know the Bible, but don't know God. Come on, man. How about me? 
My Pentecostalism's coming out a little bit. Listen to me. The Bible, the Bible reveals God, but the Bible doesn't contain God, friend. Come on, sir. The Bible says in the book of John, in the last chapters, if everything Jesus did, if it was recorded, if everything he said, that was awesome. If every miracle that he did, if it was written down, I suppose the books of the world, the iPads, the Steve Jobs couldn't create enough to hold what he did. Well, I feel like, man, Mm. I'm sorry, that's my Pentecostal background. I'm going to calm down. My, 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 my. We're going to fight over 10 commandments, seeing if they post it. Get them down at the courthouse. That makes people mad right there, but you know what it does? It's blowing up that religious demon. That's what you got religion, friend. You don't got relationship. He don't want 10 commandments written on stone. He wants to write his word on the tables of your heart. Come on. For by one man, death reigned through the one. Moses, uh, by the way, let me ask you this. Could Moses get them in the promised land? I said, could Moses take them into the promised land? Why? Because the law ain't never getting you into the promises of God. But Joshua, who represents just Yeshua, come on, somebody. I can't get no help. I feel the Holy Ghost. I said, but Joshua, he can take you from looking at the promises to beholding the promise and walking in the promise. Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. Get, get, get it back up here. I'm telling you right now, I feel like I'm going to explode. He reigned through the one. For those who receive. What did Jess come up and prophesy? Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. When Jesus cried out in Matthew chapter 27, he said, it is finished, friend. He said, it is finished. What did, Jesus did not come to, you say, well, Jesus didn't come to destroy the law. No, friend, he came to fulfill the law. He come to put the final payment and pay it in full. Why are you, if I go and I see you at Longhorns and I buy your lunch, why are you trying to pay what I've already taken care of? Your job is just sit there and enjoy the steak and just walk right on out. Come on, somebody. We're going to enjoy healing in here this morning. Why? Because it's already been paid for. We're going to enjoy deliverance in here. Why? Because it's already been taken care of. We're going to walk in prosperity. Why? Because he became poor that I can become rich. My God. Don't get me, don't get mad with me because I'm tapped into the benefit package. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Lord, we're going to be on Facebook next week. They crazy down there. You better believe we absolutely crazy. I lost my mind a long time ago. I lost my religious self a long time ago. I met the living one. I've seen the hair like wool and the eyes like fire, friend. He's alive. If you would have seen me when I was 18 years old, cussed like a sailor, didn't know nothing. But when I met him, friend, he's a life changer. He's a deliverer. I come to tell you that. I've experienced it. All right, just receive. This is the hardest thing for me to do is receive. Somebody gives a $100 bill. 
No, man, no. Someone try to pay for your meal. No, 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 let me get it. The Christian life is not about doing, but about believing. You know why God's bailing in here? Because I'm, I'm preaching absolute truth. That's why he's at Jesus. I'm telling you right now, if you could see him, I'm telling you right now, if he was standing in this room, he'd be head banging something. Religion wants to keep you away from the promise. That's why the serpent tried to prevent Eve. She was already like God. She didn't have to do nothing. She didn't have to do nothing but enjoy the presence that was in that garden. That's all she had to do. But he tried his best to get her in there to works. Come on, somebody. All right. Now, by one man's offense, I'm going to try to get through it. I'm like Kenneth Hagin, just somebody looking for somebody to close it out. For by one man's offense, death reigned through the one. Much more. If this was so powerful, that one man's offense, he goes on to say much more. Say this is twice as bad. I'm telling you, the head bruiser's a real deal, son. He is bad to the bone. Look at this. Those who receive what? The abundance of grace and through the gift of righteousness. Through what? The gift. Through what? The gift. How many here believe you righteous right now? Look right here. We got about 10 people. What are the rest of you unrighteous? Why are you righteous this morning? Because of what Jesus did. We have to, why am I righteous? Well, I ain't trying to be a saint or nothing. What you trying to be then? This Christian stuff. Well, you know, I, I'm no saint or nothing. Well, what are you? Are you a sinner? If you're a sinner, that's an absolute lie. And that's not what the Bible says. You can't even read the, the letters of Paul because they're not written to you. Don't get mad when we quote the Bible. Listen, you, can't read the, you cannot read the, the 13 epistles of Paul because they're not written to you. Because he wrote those to the saints of God at Thessalonica. To the, to the saints of God at Philippi. To the saints at Ephesus. What happened? When you received Jesus, you've been transferred out of darkness into light. From a sinner to a saint. From ungodly to godly. God, boy, we got to fly this plane quick. God did not help your old man. He destroyed your old man. Your old nature died of supernatural causes. It ran into the cross. And when the old nature ran into the cross, God slayed your old nature. Am I in the book? The Bible says you are a new creature in Christ. So when we preach and we say quit whore hopping, quit drinking beer, quit smoking cigarettes, watching stuff on TV, we're trying to kill the old nature which God's already destroyed. Why don't you preach like this? You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You can do all things in him who strengthens you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's within the world. Hot, hot. Lord of mercy, I ain't even gonna get, if I get to this good stuff right here, we like to have bolt Steve down. Look right here. Pull up right here, just help me right here. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11 and 12. We're gonna pull it up for you right here. I'm gonna speak for 10 more minutes and we're gonna be done, okay? 
Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11. All right. Every priest stands ministering daily, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. It's the old covenant. This is before the cross. Before the cross, the priest stood daily. Let's look at verse 12. After the cross, but this man, look at your neighbor and say, Jesus. Jesus. After he offered one sacrifice for sins forever, what did he do? Sit down. Now, if you can bear to hear this, in Ephesians, Paul said he has seated you with him. He seated me with him at a place of rest. Till what? Pull up verse 13. Till his enemies are made his footstool. When that devil's wreaking havoc in your house, just take a seat. Get your feet up right here and remind him of what God is doing to him. He's making him your footstool. I came to tell somebody that that tripped you up in 2017 is going to be your stepping stone in 2018. That breakthrough you couldn't get in 17 is going to be your breakthrough that lunges you into destiny in 18, friend. This spotless lamb. Every year, we got to have a lamb that we offer for the sins of the people. So Jesus, we know when when God instituted Passover in the book of Exodus that he said that the lamb had to be taken on the 10th day, right? Kept with the people and inspected until the 14th day. Then he was slain. So Jesus, if the gospel of John mainly records really the last week of Jesus' life, right? In John chapter 12, Jesus is at the house of Bethany and it highlights in your Bible. In John chapter 12 verse 1, and six days before what? Passover, Jesus is at the house of Bethany. He's at the house he's he's at the house of Bethany and he is anointed there by a woman with costly oil, right? And she anoints his body for what? Burial. Now, the scripture says the next day, shall 5, Jesus shows up into Jerusalem and he's riding on the back of the young donkey, right? They're laying palm branches out before him, shouting Hosanna to the king, which is what they should have been doing at Tabernacles, right? They're trying to make him Tabernacle king, but they don't realize he's riding in as Passover lamb. Come on now. He shows up five days into the city of Jerusalem. Why? He shows up in Jerusalem the same time the priest in the old covenant would be bringing the the whole time while they would be bringing the lamb into their house to inspect the lamb because the lamb has to be without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. 
And as the priest is declaring that lamb that would be brought by the family, I find no fault in your lamb. Pilate stands up and says, I find no fault in this man. Come on. I find no fault in this man because God is about to offer a lamb that will forever take care and eradicate the sin problem on planet earth. Isaiah saw him in the 53rd chapter when he said he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. What was Isaiah? He was seeing him on the cross. Jesus is going into Jerusalem. What? To become our Passover lamb. And Pilate said, I find no fault in this man. And he goes to the cross. And he's crucified. And he's laid in a tomb. As the priest was slaying the lamb in the temple, Jesus gave up the ghost on the cross. And when Jesus gave up the ghost on the cross in Matthew 27, the Bible says the veil in Herod's temple was split from top to bottom. We're saying now there's no separation. Come on in. When the law was given... The law was given on Pentecost at Mount Sinai 50 days after Passover. When the law was given, 3,000 men lost their life. Come on, somebody. And the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Passover, after Jesus became a resurrected lamb. Come on, somebody. After that, Peter stands up at the day of Pentecost when the Spirit entered into the church and 3,000 men gave their life, got saved. Come on, somebody. What is great? This is all about God pursuing you. God pursues you way more than you ever thought about pursuing him. He knows this. He says he knows you're rising up to you going down in Psalms 139. You wonderfully and fearfully made. I mean, I wish he didn't make me so good looking, but Catherine appreciates it. Come on. You wonderfully and fearfully made in the image of God. God knows every detail of your life. Friend, you say, well, where's God at in my life? I'm telling you, he knows exactly where you're at. He knows your email address. He knows you're rising up to you going down. The scripture says he knows the number of hair upon your head, right? Not only does he know, listen, I got a low number on mine and I know that. But not only does he know the number of hair, he knows exactly when one falls out. He knows if it was 331 or 647. That's how detailed this God is. Come up here with me, guys. Can we sing that? uh, um, Right here, I want to read one more verse of scripture if I can. I want to read one more verse of scripture. If I can. Look at this. and, and it's, it, this, this is right here. I get this question. You'd be surprised right here. After, after doing this for 20 years, how many people do I counsel in my office that are going through some type of disease just to they ask this question? Am I paying for what I've done? Is, God, is, this, is this God's way? Is this God's way of getting my attention? Now, how many here you got children? Raise your hand. I got three children. How many of your children ever aggravated a fire to you? Uh, now let me ask you this. How many of your children ever disappointed you? Mr. Tom, you have some good kids. <laughs> how, many, 
How many of you ever thought about putting cancer on trying them a lesson? Neither does your heavenly father use that kind of junk either. Religion's taught you that, friend. The Bible never taught you that. I said religion taught you that. The Bible never taught you that. And here's the crazy thing. The same people that believe that kind of mess spend, spend hundreds of thousands of dollars at the doctor trying to correct what God's using. It's real simple. John 10 and 10 says that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. If it has anything to do with killing, stealing, or destroying, that's the work of the devil. But Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. Right? Now I want you to pull this last verse of scripture up. Go ahead and hit it right there for me. Right here. Pull up Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. Pull up 11 and 12 together if you can. Right here. We're done right here, okay? We fix and be done. Somebody say, thank the Lord. Nobody's back there, okay? Well, we're going to have to read it right here. Well, I don't know why the Holy Ghost didn't do that. I only asked him one thing today. Come on. Nobody's back there. Nobody's back there. How quit. I had these thoughts. Look at this. Colossians chapter 2, you there? Verse 11. Friend, listen to me. Look at me right here. God's not counting your sins against you. I don't care how many sins that you think you had. He's not holding that against you. If you did the worst thing known to man last night, he's not standing here this morning holding that against you. He's just saying, come to me. I love you. Friend, how could we come in here and worship like we worship if we thought that God was holding what we'd done wrong against us? There's not a person in this room that is perfect, including the one holding the mic. There's not a person in this room that wants your life over the last seven days played completely on that video screen. Let's get it real up in here. Come on now. But with all of our imperfections and all of our mistakes, He still pursues us. You know what's the funny thing? When I was a senior in high school, I had a teacher. This is just where it was at, okay? I'm telling you, I was, I was not voted to become a preacher. God did such a miraculous work in my life. I graduated in 1997. I got saved in February of 1998, and I preached the baccalaureate service in 1998 that year. And people came from all over just to see if it was real, if I was really preaching the gospel. That's how wild I was. But she looked at me and she told me, she said, son, she said, boy, she said, you headed down the wrong road fast. And she said, you're not going to amount to nothing. When God saved me and set me free, she wrote me a letter and sent it home. She said, I have more faith to know today that God is real by looking at your life than I had before that. Let me tell you this, when teachers have given up, when mom and dad has given up, when aunt and uncle has given up, God never gives up. Come on, somebody. He's always pursuing. He's always putting somebody in your lane saying, I love you. I'm after you. I'm passionate about you. 
back when I was an employee at the phone company, we had this, we had these things on our trucks where they monitors, monitored where we were at. We always cut up with that song and talk about, I always feel like somebody's watching me because they was watching. See where you was at. Couldn't go by the woods and feed the deer and stuff like that no more and just things got really tight on us. And so they would watch on the screens and figure out if this truck was in this area because remember when the fuel got up so high, they tried to keep you in certain areas, you know what I'm saying? And so anyhow, so they, they send me to one place and the guy that was at that place, they sent him to where I was at. I'm fighting mad the whole time. I mean, I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm wanting to give it to the, I mean, just, I'm just ticked off. You know what I'm saying? And they go out there to this house. When I got there, there's a lady with stage four cancer. Hospice was called in. And I'm telling you, the guy that was in that area, he didn't know God from Adam's house cat. But what God was saying is, I love her so much, son. I'm calling you from this side to get way over here because I got to talk to her, friend. Come on. How many, listen, if you die and go to hell, it won't be God's fault. You will overstep. I mean, soul after soul, you got to fight your way to get there. Hell was never created for us, friend. It was created for the devil and the third of the angels that fell with him. God has made the way of escape. I didn't say he made some ways. I said he made the way of escape. Let's look right here. Colossians 2. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him having forgiven you of all your trespasses. Look at your neighbor and say, I've been forgiven of all. How many people did I hear growing up when I was in church that would stand up and testify and they would ask the preacher, just pray that I can make it. Friend, I don't have to pray that I can make it. I'm going to make it. I said, I don't have to pray that I can make it. I'm going. I'm on the first load leaving here. I said, I'm going. I'm going to spend eternity with my Lord. Not because not because of that I'm a preacher. Not because I study the Bible. But because he died for me, friend. And he forgave me. And I received that into my life. My dad, who was an alcoholic, most of my life and when I was 18 years old out preaching my dad wouldn't come hear me preach and he just wouldn't go to church with me and I would I would use I would use hand towels you know while I was preaching and I would wipe the sweat and I would put them in my daddy's pillow and I would say God give him dreams let him know how much you love him but my dad always saw his failures. And he would use stuff like this. Now this does hurt the church. When you, 
he would use he would use statements like, "Well, you know, they're not living right anyhow." And I said, he said, they just hypocrites. I said, Dad, you can either go to church with the hypocrites or you can burn in hell with the hypocrites. You make your decision. Come on. And so my dad, my dad got sick. We thought it was a kidney stone, but it was pancreatic cancer. And so my dad became a member of my church. I led my dad to the Lord. And I remember, I remember, I just had this sense, man. Listen, I've seen God heal. We've got testimony after testimony in this church. I, 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 I'm just telling you. I've seen God heal cancer. Cancer's not the big C, it's the little C. You need to read Philippians chapter two, that's the big C called Christ. And every name under heaven is below that name. That's why they have to give every disease a name so it can fall under that name. Now I remember sitting in his bedroom. He had done drop from 220, he was around 130. And I said, Dad, I gotta know. I said, I gotta know. How do you know that you know that you're born again? He said, son, cause I believe what Jesus did is enough for me. Church, I want to tell you the gospel truth and the gospel truth is when Christ came, he blotted out the handwritten requirements that were against you. He pulled the stone away not so that he could get out but so that you could get in, friend. Now how do you get it? You get it by faith. First of all, you got to realize you need him. Christ didn't, he didn't come for the godly, he came for the ungodly. I realize I need him. Come on, you with me? You gotta realize you need him. You gotta get tired of that life. Man, let me tell you something, I've been there. I know what it's like to wake up with a hangover. Friend, there ain't no answer found in that. Come on, let's say it, there ain't no answer found in that. The answer is only found in Him. What you're looking for in relationship after relationship is found in Him. I can tell you. You got to get tired of not raining. You got to want to start raining. And how you start raining starts when you start, when you throw your hands and surrender and say, I can't do it no more. I've made a mess of things every time I try to put my hand on it. I seemingly only blow it again. But I know today I listened to this big bald headed preacher in Sparks at Cornerstone. And he said, if I would just throw my hands up and receive the abundance of grace and what you did for me, he said, I would start raining. And I came to tell you, I promise you, friend, if you'll throw your hands up in surrender those things that seem to have you beat you will watch them fall off you will watch them break hold of you and lose their hold can I get a witness in this house stand up on your feet thanks for listening to this message for more exciting content visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media 